Salutations, listeners. You're listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And it's our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. In this episode, we are going to be taking a very cool two-part spotlight on the influence of reggae and Jamaica on jazz music. That's right. There's so many things that are wonderful about jazz music, but one of the most prominent aspects that's worth mentioning um, in jazz music is the fact that it's such an encompassing umbrella some people call it a sponge whatever you want to call it 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 includes it's very inclusive for all types and styles of music and within that whether that's rock music in the jazz fusion vein uh, bossa nova rhythms from brazil you know uh sephardi music from the middle east um, swing, Kansas City swing, you know. Um, the thing is, is that it it provides all of these different uh, venues, avenues, streets for improvisers to improvise on. And one of the ones, one of the styles that that gets neglected or, or it gets failed to mention is the influence of reggae in jazz improvisation. Or just in general, the influence of Jamaica, Jam- Jamaica and Jamaican influence on jazz music. So we've done a little bit of history and a little bit of reconnaissance to demonstrate some of this for you uh, with some examples and some early styles from some of the legends in jazz music that you might not associate with Jamaican influence. So sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and get ready for a two-part series called Jazz and Reggae here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Enjoy. Situation breeds hunger. 
and strife and a miserable life. And you know the politicians aren't even bruised, but they won't find the solutions to win this confusion. That's why I sing these inflation blues.
Jamaica, and I don't mean to interrupt the party, but one of my countrymen tell me there's a chitlin' rob going on here. Madam, fix me one out of those things you call chitlin', but I call them in a tube, and I play one of my native jazz tunes. So let's break down these three tunes that we just heard. We started off the set with a tune called Inflation Blues, uh, which was released 40 years ago by drum master and great band leader as well, Jack DeJanet, off of the ECM label. Uh, it features Jack DeJanet on piano, clavinet, vocals, that's right, that was Jack that you heard singing, and the drums. It also features Chico Freeman on the tenor and soprano saxophone and bass clarinet on the album, John Purcell on Barry Sax, alto sax, flute, and clarinet, the great Rufus Reed on bass, and the one and only Bakita Carroll on the trumpet. Yeah, uh, this is a very strong album. You know, I, I really enjoy this album and it's it's just crazy that it's 40 years later and those words still ring very true uh but what's most important within this episode is that it contains the uh the reggae influence that we're kind of spotlighting um here on the dr jazz podcast so you got that that beautiful that kind of rhythm that Let's, it's like a universal thing that lets everybody know, like, oh, this is a reggae tune, right? Not all tunes um, that are associated with Jamaican influence and reggae influence necessarily have that. And we'll break that down uh, as we get deeper into some of these tunes within these uh, two subsequent episodes of the podcast. But 
um, that's a good way to kind of just open things up. And by the way, there is no chronological thing that we're doing here. We're just kind of throwing different things at you to keep the vibe up. Okay. So uh, the next track that we heard was a tune called Freedom Song. And it is by the uh, Australian jazz group, The Vampires. And it comes from their 2017 album, The Vampires Meet Lionel Luiki. And if you're unfamiliar with Lionel Luiki, <clears throat> he is a graduate, I believe, of the Southern California Jazz Department, uh, in which Terrence Blanchard helped um, kind of teach him. He also went underneath the wings of the great Herbie Hancock uh, and Wayne Shorter. And... <clears throat> it's still actually touring right now uh, with the great Herbie Hancock. Uh, I was lucky enough to see Lionel Luiki with Herbie Hancock uh, on his most recent tour this summer, and it's fantastic. And in fact, Lionel Luiki actually has a whole album of solo guitar arrangements of Herbie Hancock tunes on the album HH, for, which stands for Herbie Hancock. Um yeah, he's very indebted to him, but <clears throat> besides all the Herbie Hancock influence, he is very much a musician in his own right. And, um, yeah, there's a fantastic album by Lionel Luiki called Caribou, uh, but this is a collaboration album. This is really the Vampire's album, and it features Lionel Luiki. And so uh, this eclectic Australian jazz outfit... The Vampires, consist of Jeremy Rose on the alto and tenor sax and bass clarinet, Nick Garbett on the trumpet, Jonathan Zwartz, not to be confused with Jonathan Schwartz, you rock, rock, uh, on the double bass, and on this particular track, Freedom Song, which is written by Jeremy Rose, um, Alex Masso on the drums, Cajon, bongos, pandero, woodblock, cowbells, and shakers. And of course, Lionel Luiki on acoustic and electric guitar, as well as vocals. So, um, yeah, this is uh, from Earshift Music, that label. Uh, it's a beautiful cover. But, um, you know, the interesting thing is that Jeremy Rose, who wrote that tune, the alto tenor player in the group, uh, wrote all the songs in the album but three. And those three were actually written by the trumpeter, Nick Garbett. So the thing about it is is that this is all original music, which is pretty awesome. Um, but there's a, a great downbeat review that says that the loose feel from this versatile LP is attributed to the Vampire's homeland of Australia, where they invited Luiki to record and tour for this project. Um, the tune on the album Hard Love is influenced by Jamaican Nyabingi music and the succeeding Freedom Song, which is the track that we heard, is a powerful dub reggae number that is dedicated to the refugees held on Australia's controversial offshore detention centers. The track Bend Along keeps the reggae vibe going, albeit a bit lighter, before the tune Torta Salata, one of Garbett's numbers, keeps things upbeat. So, 
the thing is, is that with, with that review, you can tell that this is not just a one-off track that's a reggae track on this album. There's a lot of Jamaican influence on this number, or on this album, besides just this number. So um, that's really just a snippet freedom song that we heard in the middle of that set there. And if you want more uh, Jamaican-influenced jazz, please check out The Vampires Meet Lionel Luigi. So there you go. Not to be confused with Vampire Weekend. Totally different group. So, um, But then at the end of that set, we heard... Something that sounded a lot older. And what, what, what is that? Well, that's none other than Louis Armstrong and the Hot Five. And the track that we heard to end that set was King of the Zulus. And um, it features, of course, Louis Armstrong on the cornet, Johnny St. Cyr on the banjo, the one and only Johnny Dodds on clarinet. The great Kid Ori with a beautiful trombone solo there up front uh, on trombone. Lil Harden Armstrong on the piano. And none other than Clarence Babcock coming in with this Jamaican, as this Jamaican at a, at a, at a party. And so uh, the line of notes for this says that, by the way, that was recorded... Let's see here. King of the Zulus. It was recorded June 23rd, 1926 for OK Records in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, but in the liner notes to this, it says on King of the Zulus, Kid Ori blows a somber phrases over an ostinato rhythm, and then a humorous interlude develops in which Clarence Babcock acts the part of a Jamaican at a soul food party. The hokum ceases and Lewis begins a passionate musical exploration, soaring to wonderful expressive high notes. St. Cyr's banjo arpeggios create an effective coda, which is sealed by a chord from the band. Just as this is fading, the bizarre Babcock emits a farewell shout. So, <clears throat> yeah. So th there's a lot of, uh, of ties and twists that you could uh, kind of associate with this. The King of the Zulus is part of the Zulu parade in Mardi Gras. And, of course, Lewis being a part of New Orleans culture, as well as Johnny Dodds and Kid Ori and Johnny St. Cyr, um, was a huge part of New Orleans culture. The thing is, is that the Zulu parade and the King of the Zulus did not start on Fat Tuesday in New Orleans until 1909. So, this being recorded in 1926, it had been around already for a while. And in fact, in 1949, Louis Armstrong himself was asked to be the celebrity King of the Zulus for the Mardi Gras Parade, which he, he claims is one of the highlights of his career. So there's a lot of uh, things that are assumed with New Orleans culture um, as being racist or Uncle Tom or all these other things. And, you know, I, I would, before you jump to that conclusion, for those who are not that familiar with New Orleans culture and traditions, right, 
I would advise uh, a lot of people to check out this very uh, important interview exchange uh, on PBS between Raphael Casimir Jr., Ari Kelman, and Lawrence Powell, in which they talk about kind of the history of the Zulu parade and what that meant to uh, Louis Armstrong in, in 1949 when he was the king of the Zulus. And that was well after he recorded this track, by the way. Uh, but what that organization means and and how it is not uh, a racist kind of experience with what they do and the way that they dress and make themselves up for this particular parade. So, yeah, it's the American Experience interview uh, online from PBS.org. So, yeah, check that out if you are, are looking for deeper answers. But the thing is, is that it is different, musically speaking. That track, King of the Zulus, is musically different than the rest of these tracks that you you find. It's different than Heebie-Jeebies or the Cornet Chop Suey or Muskrat Ramble. And so with that being said, I think it's important that it, it, it has a different musical style and then they also invited Clarence Babcock to come in and present. I mean, he could have been anybody. He could have been a New Orleanian. And especially during that period of time, in the late 20s, mid to late 20s, Jelly Roll Morton was definitely, you know, having these little sound effects and things like that, Talk, you know, like trying to recreate New Orleans funerals and things like that with, like, Dead Man Blues. But they chose to highlight a Jamaican influence. So that was definitely there. And that's kind of cool that it, that Jamaican influence in jazz, even if it was tongue in cheek, was actually thought of that long ago. So I guess the whole point of including King of the Zulus by Louis Armstrong in the Hot Five is to say that it goes all the way back. And to me, like, Louis Armstrong and the Hot Five is the first real artistic jazz group in New Orleans or from New Orleans, you know what I mean, with that New Orleans culture. So bringing in that Jamaican influence, um, even though it may have been a little lighthearted and tongue-in-cheek, yeah, that's kind of cool that, that you can trace that back to all the way back to 1926. So there you have it. All right, enough talking for me. Uh, we're going to mainly stick to the music here on out. Uh, we are spotlighting a two-part series called Jazz and Reggae. So don't go anywhere. Got more music coming for you right here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast.
All right. Three fantastic tracks right there. All right, so that last track, we're going to go backwards. So that last track was none other than the great John Schofield from his album Uber Jam Du. French for two, D-U-X. And that was a song called Dub Dub. There you go. And, of course, John Schofield's on the guitar. John Medeski is a special guest on organ, Wurlitzer, and Mellotron. Louis Cato is on the drums. Adam Deitch is on the drums as well. Andy Hess on the bass. And Avi Bortnik on extra guitar and samples. There you go. Of course, this is a sequel album to the initial Uber Jam album, which... um, Featured John Medeski as well, and that, I think if I if I'm correct in saying this, the the Uber Jam album was an, an it was kind of like a, a spinoff album, if you will, an offshoot from the highly successful A Go Go album, uh, which featured Medeski, Martin, and Wood with John Schofield for an entire album. So there you go. Um, yeah, and then they later on became Medeski, Schofield, Martin, and Wood. And then, yeah, they had some subsequent albums that are really, really good. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Def- definitive reggae influence on that. Um, there was a lot of uh, sneaky little chord changes that kind of reminded you of Jimmy Cliff. You know, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Yeah, that little part where he sings, there's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. That little chord change progression going on there yeah you can kind of hear it in dub dub uh you know uncle john as they say <laughs> uh by the way he's got a new album coming out uncle john's band on ecm records check it out always got to give some love to sco uh yeah and if you haven't seen that documentary on schofield inside john schofield uh, that's pretty cool it uh kind of tracks him on tour with his combo 66 group yeah and uh yeah it's just a real life look at what it means to be a gigging musician trying to make it you know these days so there you go uh yeah inside Schofield that's a great little documentary you should check out anyway uh before Dub Dub by John Schofield we heard one of my favorite tracks uh called Butterfly Friend and that was by none other than the great Don Cherry from his album Homeboy Sister Out. And um, yeah, from 1985. And that's Don Cherry not only on the trumpet, but singing as well. And uh, yeah, let's see. Don Cherry on vocals, Dusu Nagoni, pocket trumpet, piano, synthesizer, and melodica. That's right. He was doing the melodica way before John Batiste was. Just FYI. I love me some John Batiste, but Don Cherry's where that melodica thing kind of really started. Let's see. Uh, Ramancho Mata is on the guitars, bass, and keyboards. Uh, Yannick Top is on the bass. Claude Salmieri on drums. Negrito Tresante. Is on the bongos, the congas, the talking drum, and the rhythm box. Uh, and Ely Medeiros, as well as Brian Geisen, are on vocals on this album. Jean Pierre Coco 
is on the congas. Abdullah Prosper Niang is on drums. Yeah. And Polo Lombardo is on conks. Phil Mong is on bass on a couple of these tracks. So this is, yeah, like a big... Um, big uh, group, you know what I mean? Just kind of synthesizing a bunch of talents here, you know what I mean? But you gotta love that that reggae influence on Butterfly Friend. It's just so good. And yeah, it's just a heartwarming melody. You gotta love it. And uh, then we started off with a tune called Jamaican Sun by the great Roy Brooks from the percussion ensemble known as M-Boom, uh, spearheaded by the great Max Roach. And, yeah, this is a... The M-Boom group is a collective percussion ensemble. And, um, yeah, there's no saxophones, there's no trumpets, there's nothing like that. Right, it, it's just like a, a like almost like a collegiate percussion ensemble, like what you find in you know conservatories and stuff like that. Um, but it's like just some of the greatest percussion players that there are, and they bring in pieces, original pieces, and and they work on things, and it's just really cool. And they have a few albums out. Uh, one of them uh, is on the Columbia Records label uh, with like a Peter Max cover. The artist Peter Max. And then there's uh, this one, uh, which we found Jamaican Sun, written by Roy Brooks on the Collage album, uh, released in 1984 on Soul Note Records. And uh, Max Roach plays the bass drum, the vibes, marimba, and concert snare. Kenyatte Abdur Rahman plays the xylophone, kabasa, claves, percussion, and bass drum. The great Joe Chambers playing marimba, bass marimba, and xylophone. Uh, Eli Fountain is on the xylophone, vibes, bass drum, bells, snare drum, and crotales. Freddie Waits is on tom toms, percussion, shaker, and bass marimba. Ray Mantilla. Is on the congas, the timpani, the bongos, the bells, and the chimes. Warren Smith is on timpani, vibes, bass marimba, and percussion. Eddie Allen is on woodblocks, percussion, claves, kibasa, bell tree, cymbal, triangle, and finger cymbal. Fred King is on the concert, bells, cowbell, timpani, and vibes. And our composer of this tune, Jamaican Son, is Roy Brooks, who is playing slapstick, percussion, tom-toms, musical saw, and... The instrument that we heard prevalently in that mix, the steel drum, which is a huge influ Jamaican influence onto the jazz music world. And in fact, there's tons of other tracks that I could have just chosen that have a, uh, a steel drum in it. I mean, think about all those Jaco Pastorius tracks, right? You could use a Dave Samuels track. That's great, too. But the thing is, is that it's not really laced with Jamaican influence or rhythms, it's just the use of that instrument. So they, it's almost like a lot of jazz musicians took that instrument into their sound of whatever funk, rock, jazz thing that they were doing. And that's okay. That's okay. But that's why I chose Jamaican Sun by the M. Boom Group. It's because it is Jamaican-influenced with a steel drum. So it's the best of both worlds. But... 
that Jamaican influence of steel drums definitely is found in a lot of other jazz musicians and a lot of other jazz albums and tracks. So there's another influence to note. All right, little PSA. Remember, you can find the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Amazon, Apple, TuneIn, Podbean. Doesn't matter. We're there. So if you know someone who would actually dig this kind of music, please pass it on. Remember, we're not making a dime off this. This is for strictly just to pass good vibes on and to make your day a little bit lighter and easier. We actually have to pay to upload this stuff, so this is truly just a labor of love on our part. So, um, yeah, please pass it on. If you've got a quick minute, please leave a nice little uh, review. It doesn't have to be long, if unless you want to, you know, but on Apple Podcasts, we know we're almost close to that 5.0 rating again, and we'd love to be there, so... Yeah, we're nothing without you, so we appreciate it. Also, if you're trying to jot down these names of these tracks and these artists and albums and stuff like that, make a note you know, on your phone or whatever, don't worry about all that. We've already done all that for you as well. All you have to do is check out our website, which is Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z podcast.wordpress.com. And there you can find out every track title, artist and the album artwork in the order in which we play it for every single episode of this podcast so that way you know exactly what to go looking for in your local record store if you have one okay all right enough talking from me let's get back to some awesome jazz and reggae music here on the dr jazz podcast
All right. Ooh, some good numbers and that's it. All right. So that last tune uh, is by none other than David Gould off the Zodic Records label, ran by the living genius John Zorn. And um, that is the the Lechadodi dub. And in fact, it's just 10 tracks of dubs um, on this album. Uh, But it's dubs with reggae influence uh, from, you know, traditional Jewish songs. So the the Lechadodi is translated to, uh, to English as Come My Beloved, and it's actually a traditional Jewish song. Uh, that is part of the uh, Kabbalat Shabbat services held on Friday nights. It was originally written in the 16th century by Shlomo Halavi Alkabetz. So, um, nothing like taking a 16th century traditional Jewish song for Shabbat and mixing it with reggae and dub influences and putting it out on an album that was released in 2001 so there you go <laughs> love it love it um david gould is on bass vocals piano and percussion nathan richardson is on guitar organ clavinet piano percussion nylon string acoustic guitar uh, Tommy Benedetti is on the drums. Uh, Alex Barham is on the trombone. Brian Thomas is also on the trombone. Lee Hamilton on tenor sax. Christopher Welter is on the trumpet and piano. Michael O'Connor is uh, on tenor sax, flute, and melodica. Ken Field is on flute. Chris Hansen is on percussion. Dave Saka on guitar. Craig Akira Fujita is on vocals and Amy Glicklich is on vocals as well. And it comes from the album Adonai in Dub. And David Gould has three volumes um, of Jewish reggae dub music um, on Zodic Records. Uh, and one of them is actually with Bill Frizzell. I'm sorry, not Bill Frizzell, Bill Laswell, taking his tracks, David Gould's tracks, and redoing them in his twisted, beautiful dub way. So, yeah, you cannot go wrong with any of these albums. I have all three of them, and they're all fantastic. I love the horns. I love the... Um, the reggae dub influence on that. And it's so cool to hear that done with traditional Jewish melodies. So there you have it. Uh, Before that, we heard the group night flight from 1979. We heard no two alike written by Sandy Toronto, who ran the night flight group night flight, by the way, spelled N I T E F L Y. T-E. Yeah. And if you're wondering what the hell is that doing in the middle of a jazz podcast, that sounded like some 80s pop stuff. What 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 what, what is that? You know? Well, here's why. <clears throat> so 
on the alto saxophone, you've got Angelo D'Abraccio, but you also have David Sanborn. Um, on the backing vocals, you have Hamish Stewart, Sandy Tirano, Howard Johnson, and Phyllis Hyman. On bass, Frank Cornelius, Frank Garvis, boy, that had to be confusing in the studio, didn't it? And Lamont Johnson. On drums, you had Cedric Wright, Joe Galdo, and Stephen Farone. On guitar, Hamish Stewart and Sandy Tirano. On keyboards, Jack Waldman. Lead vocals, Howard Johnson and Sandy Tirano. Percussion, Howard Johnson, Richie Puente, Rubens Bassini. On tenor sax, Bob Schumacher and the one and only Michael Brecker. On trumpet, Randy Brecker. And all of the orchestrations for all of these tunes, including No Two Alike that we just heard in the middle of that set, is orchestrated by the one and only Onage Allen Gums. That's right, the exact same piano player that played with Woody Shaw and the likes of Dexter Gordon. So you have Onage Allen Gums, you have Howard Johnson, Phyllis Hyman, David Sanborn, Randy Brecker, and Michael Brecker all in one group. So that's why it's included. So, there you go. Um, yeah, and there's no doubt that th this is a much more commercial, slick, polished, um, pop-edged kind of, you know, tune. But, considering that it's just a studio gig for a lot of these jazz guys, it's kind of cool to hear somebody like Michael Brecker just kind of, you know, throw a couple licks in there on, on a reggae tune uh, that ends the whole album, I, I might add. So, it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, you know. And it's the truth. It, it's, it's a reggae-tinged pop tune, and that's cool, you know. So there you have it. Um, to start off the set, we heard Rastafari number four from the 1986 album Human Rights, although it was recorded in 1982, four years previous to its release. On the Cabell and Graham labels, it is an album by the one and only Wadada Leo Smith who is on trumpet, vocals, and mabira. You have Stanya on electric guitar and synthesizer, Michelle Navazio on acoustic guitar and bass, James Emery on the electric guitar as well, Thurman Barker on drums, Peter Kowald on bass, tuba, and percussion, uh, Gunter Sommer on drums and percussion, and Tudeo Sawi, Sawai on koto, and percussion. And Wadada Leo Smith, uh, if you're not familiar, I mean, he's, he's a living legend. Um, he was on Anthony Braxton's first kind of actual album uh, with a quartet. And that was uh, super cool. He was the foil against Braxton's alto saxophone. So, uh, and then of course, you know, Wadada Leo Smith has went on to do numerous things uh, with like Charlie Hayden on the ECM label. Uh, I think that's an album called Divine Love. 
that's really good. And, you know, he's also worked with the likes of William Parker, John Zorn, Anthony Braxton, uh, later in later years, Jack DeJanet, um, on the Zodic label, who has reissued a lot of this stuff on the uh, Cabell years. I think there's like a four CD set called What Out Leo Smith, The Cabell Years. So, yeah, that kind of puts a little Zorn bookend or Zodic Records bookend uh, to that set, which is kind of cool. You know, so there you have it. Uh, but yeah, Rastafari number four, definitive Jamaican influence going on there with that. So yeah, so hopefully you're you're digging all these these cool things. I mean, we we've got Jack DeJanet, Wadada Leo Smith, the Vampires with Lionel Lewicki, you know, David Gould, Louis Armstrong, um, John Schofield, Don Cherry. M. Boom with Roy Brooks and Max Roach. Yeah, we're, we're, I think we're doing pretty good here. Hopefully you're digging it too, you know. So check it out. We got one more set coming for you, uh, so don't go anywhere, okay? And if you like that little snippet of Michael Brecker with Night Flight, listen to this.
All right. Three really cool and interesting tracks right there. So <clears throat> we're going to go in order. Uh, we started off with uh, a tune called Ether Reggae or Ether Reggae, whichever way you want to pronounce it, tomato, tomato. Uh, and it comes from the 1984 ECM album Night by guitarist John Abercrombie. And it features the great Michael Brecker on tenor saxophone with probably, and I know that it's going to stir up some debate, but that's probably one of my favorite, like, top three Michael Brecker solos. It's lyrical, it's succinct, it's to the point, it's perfectly in the pocket groove-wise, and it's just beautiful note choices. So, yeah, and it's not even on Michael Brecker's album. It's on Abercrombie's album, so there you go. But backing him up besides the leader and the great guitarist John Abercrombie it's Jan Hammer on all the keyboards and synthesizers killing it absolutely killing it I don't think that Jan Hammer could do any wrong from like 1980 to 1984 you know there was Miami Vice you know he was playing with Jeff Beck and then he was guesting on Abercrombie's album like this killer and then to tie up all the loose ends with our very first track that we heard on this entire episode of the podcast, Jack DeJeanette, is laying down the reggae beats for the drums. Ah, oh, so good. In the middle there, we heard Cantaloupe Island. So those of you who are a seasoned jazz listener, you might be like, hey, I recognize that. Well, you're not wrong. And it was Herbie Hancock uh, with Benny Maupin, Wawa Watson, Ray Parker, James Levy, Paul Jackson and Kenneth Nash from, let's see, when was this recorded? 1976. The 1976 album Secrets by Herbie Hancock. Yes. And then we ended with a Bob Marley tune. Of course, why not, right? It's a perfect ending, you know what I mean? And it is by pianist... Eliani Elias from her 2006 album Around the City. Now, there's no reggae rhythms going on there, but it's definitively a Jamaican-influenced tune because Bob Marley is, like, the king of reggae, right? So, it's taking that tune and that love for it and then twisting it into a very modern jazz sort of thing. So... Eliani is on all vocals, piano, Fender Rhodes, Wurlitzer, Hammond B3 organ, and synthesizers. Mark Johnson, of course, her husband, is on the acoustic bass. Oscar Castro Neves is on acoustic guitar. Adam Rogers is on electric guitar. Uh, Andre Levine is on guitar as well. A lot lot of guitar players. Uh, Let's see. Randy Brecker, her former husband, is on uh, trumpet. Uh, let's see. There's so many guest musicians. Gene Lake is on drums. Uh, Gilmar Gomez is on percussion, as well as Pedro Martinez. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a really cool album. I, I highly suggest it. Uh, Eliane Elias is a former member of Steps Ahead with Michael Brecker and um, Mike Manieri, Peter Erskine. Eddie Gomez. So, uh, yeah. So, this is part one. There is a second part, a sequel episode called Jazz and Reggae Part Two. And I did not 
put all the great songs and tracks on this episode. So if you dug this episode, do yourself a favor. You're going to love part two. There are some really killer tracks guaranteed to please right from the gate, right from the outset. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, In the famous words of Duke Ellington, you were very beautiful, very kind, very gracious. And we do love you madly. And so, until next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, y'all be good now, because in jazz, we trust.